Well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. We're going to focus in on verse 15 this morning. Uh, I'll begin reading in verse uh, 10. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in a in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, Father, would you help us as we come to your word now? Father, we ask that we would put on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith more and more. Would you grant us this this morning? Pray in Christ's name. Amen. We've been thinking about what it means to be a Christian soldier, to have spiritual armor on so we can fight the spiritual enemies uh, that we have. When we think of being a soldier, uh, there's a lot required of a of a soldier. Think of the training that is required. Think of the strength that is required. Endurance, skill, wisdom, courage. To be a good soldier, it requires all those things and and much more. But let's imagine for a minute A soldier possesses all these things in spades, but he lacks readiness. All right, he makes up the perfect soldier on paper. His characteristics, all all of his makeup, he's courageous, he has skill, he has training, he has wisdom, but he lacks one thing he lacks readiness. Many battles have been won because the enemy was caught off guard. That's the goal. You're going to do much better in battle if you can find your enemy not readied. 
Even the most valiant soldiers can be easily killed in their sleep. Can they not? They possess all things, but if they're caught unaware, they're easy to kill. Well, as you read the Gospels, we see that Christ put a high importance on the readiness of His followers. You can probably think of many texts where Jesus is asking them to be on guard, to be ready, to be waiting. In Mark 13, in verse 9, He says this, and this is in the context of uh, teaching the disciples about the last, the, the end times, the last days. He says, be on guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations, which puts this at the very end. And when they bring you to trial, deliver you over. Do not be anxious beforehand what you will say, but whatever, or, but say whatever is given you in the hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father is child, and child will rise against parents and, and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then, skipping ahead to verse 22, he says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But, once again, be on guard. I have told you these things beforehand. And then in verse 35, he continually uh, continues to speak to his disciples in this way. He says, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And so here's his charge. And I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So as Paul points us to our need as Christian soldiers to be ready, he's simply teaching what Christ has already been teaching. Here's how Peter said at 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. There's the word right there. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Alright, so there's the context of Ephesians 6. It, it's talking about warfare against a spiritual enemy like the devil, and Peter's saying, be watchful. If you stroll through the jungle where there's lions in the dark, and you're not watchful, you're toast. And so he says, your, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Now that sounds like stand. 
knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after, after you've suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, confirm, uh, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he points them to their eternal hope in Christ. The importance of readiness. So as we look at this text, I want you to look at it and I want you to think. Here's what he says in verse 15. So after having put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, which who is truth but Christ, we're to put on Christ, the one who is true. We're to put on Christ's righteousness. And now he says in verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. So here's the question we want to ask. How does the gospel of peace make us ready for battle against the devil and his demons? How does the gospel of peace make the Christian soldier ready to go to battle with the devil? And then we want to ask the question, what does gospel readiness look like? And the answer to that is laid out in your notes. It looks like standing, going, and adapting, all right? So this is what we're going to set out to do. The charge of the message is simple. Soldiers of Christ, be ready with your shoes on. Be ready with your shoes on. Now when you think of armor for an army, you might not think of shoes. That might not be the thing that comes to mind. But when Paul's writing this, everyone who would hear this would understand the importance of shoes. In fact, the shoes of the Roman soldiers uh, were well attested to in antiquity. It was a huge advantage uh, the Roman soldiers had over other uh, uh, enemies because of how well they were made. In fact, Caesar invested more money in his soldiers' shoes than anyone ever had, which proved that his soldiers could go further and faster than anyone else. Uh, so in those days, if you were going to be a great army general or, or you were in charge of uh, strategy and war, everyone knew how long it would take for a thousand troops to go a certain distance. And those calculations were important for your plan. But continually, Roman soldiers could go further and faster, which often caught their enemies off guard. If their soldiers' feet didn't blister up, if, if 
they were in better condition, they would have a huge advantage. So the shoes, I'm going to have Brandon throw up here, just to give you an idea, they were unique. So they were a sort of sandal boot. You might think that's not what a warrior should have, but in, in that climate, to have your feet be able to breathe was important so that your feet wouldn't be tore up. Uh, but they had really thick soles. So nowadays, uh, you know, someone might put landmines out for their enemies. In those days, there, there was areas where uh, soldiers would have to march through, maybe between a val- valley, where the enemy would put spikes in the ground. If, if, if you could injure the feet of your enemy, it was, it was huge. But the soles of these shoes were so thick, and they had hobnails, uh, spikes in the bottom of them to make them wear longer, to last longer. And, and in dirt and, and, and on a battlefield, it would give them better traction to keep uh, their footing. So uh, obviously these are replicas, except for that one that looks really, really old. That's one that's actually been preserved to see what they would have been like. But when you think of the importance of your footing in, in battle, you know, this probably isn't a, that great of an example and it hurts me to talk about it, but last year when the Vikings played the Packers at Lambeau Field, the Viking players were falling down Often, the receivers would fall down, the ball would get intercepted, and the announcers are like, they can't keep their footing. It's going to cost them the game. And the players evidently went against the coach's advice to put these long spikes in their shoes. Literally, could have cost them, probably cost them the game. Well, who cares about football, right? But when you're a soldier, if, if you're in hand-to-hand combat and you fall, that, mean, that might mean your life. Your footing is important. So the illustration that Paul is giving, that putting on the gospel of peace is like putting on, a soldier putting on a good pair of shoes what would those shoes do for them? Well, we're going to look at three ways putting on Christ, the gospel of peace. Christ is our peace. We'll look at that. Helps us be able to first, we'll look at, be able to stand, to keep our footing, to not give up ground. A good pair of shoes will help with steadiness. It'll give a good foundation. It will help you keep your feet about you. And this is probably the most fundamental point in the context of Ephesians 6. Look at verse 10. Remember Ephesians uh, 6, verse 10. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. To be able to stand. And then he repeats it in verses 13 and 14. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. You see it? So this is the context in which Paul is teaching us. Think of all the Christians throughout history who have made their stand, who were unashamed of Christ in His Word and proclaimed the truth of the Gospel even unto death. Think of the Christians that have made their stand. You know, for the sake of time, I kind of cut this out. But when you think of Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, uh, the famous Oxford martyrs that died at the hands of uh, Bloody Mary, you read in the Fox of Books, Fox's books of martyrs, you read that account. You read about dinner the night before when Ridley is talking to his brother and to his family. And he's talking about the wedding that's going to take place the next morning. When he's going to be burned at the stake. And he's leaning into it as though tomorrow is my wedding day. He says, tomorrow breakfast is going to be bitter, but I have a feeling supper is going to be sweet. And Miss Irish that was serving him that meal began to cry. As she looked at a man, ready. He had gospel shoes on. He's ready to stand unashamed of Jesus Christ, even to the point of death. And then he asks his brother, is our sister going to be there? Is she going to be able to come? And his brother assured him that yes, the Lord is going to give her enough strength to come and watch. And so the next morning, it's described how these two men Walking uh, after supper, bedtime, his brother says, I'll stay with you all night. And he says, no, 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 no. I got a feeling I'm going to sleep as well tonight as any other night. He's ready in a way I can't imagine being ready. And as those two men stood there, Hugh Latimer looked him in the eye and he said, Be of good cheer, Master Ridley. Play the man. For we shall this day light a candle. Light such a candle in England as I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. And as they stood chained to the stake there with the fire built around them, you read the account of how Hugh Latimer kind of leaned into the fire and he died quickly. But it wasn't so for Ridley. And they strapped gunpowder around their neck so it would go faster. But 
they had built the wood too big around uh, Ridley's legs so that the fire stayed low down on his legs. And the people watched him jump up and down. His brother-in-law couldn't take it. He came and brought more wood and more wood. And the more wood he brought held the fire down more. And he stood there jumping up and down saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Take my soul. And he died very slowly until the flames finally reached the gunpowder. But you read the account of Christians that somehow they were soldiers like no other soldiers. They were ready like most of us can't imagine being ready. You know, Luther's favorite uh, famous words, here I stand, I could do no other, so God help me, amen. What else is he going to do? His conscience is bound to what the Word of God says. Luther had gospel shoes on. And they all knew a type of peace that made them ready soldiers in battle. In order to stand your ground as a soldier, you must have courage and a sense of peace of the situation. The best soldiers are resigned to the reality of what the consequences may be. Right? To have peace in the midst of the war, in the midst of the battle, is to make you a better soldier. Right? The best athletes, what's the characteristic? They seem to have peace when everyone else would be freaking out. And Paul's saying, Christians, there's an enemy you can't take on apart from gospel peace. So when you're tempted to back down a bit, maybe you're feeling shame for being united to Christ in His teachings. Now you might say, I would never be ashamed of Christ. Well, just think of the conversations maybe at Christmas time with your unbelieving family members and something gets said and then this happens and then that happens and then real quickly... We can find ourselves retreating rather than standing. All right? You plug in your own situation. We're tempted to give ground. We're tempted to evolve and become more like the world. Maybe become more like your family or your friends. We're tempted to give into temptation. And so Paul knows this and reminds us that we have to have our gospel shoes on. Maybe you're tempted to despair. Maybe the devil comes and he tempts you to despair. You may be tempted to give up on following Christ and fighting the fight of faith because you see too much failure in your life. You just can't do it anymore. You've been trying to live up. You've been trying to earn your acceptance. When you're tempted to believe that Jesus is done with you, you sin too many times. You may be tempted to believe that all this is in vain. He'll only 
accept you, if you perform better, what you need to remember is Christ is your peace. Not your performance. Christ. This is what Paul has already taught us in this letter to the Ephesians. I want to show you this. This is really important. Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians 2.12. Really, I see this armor of God, this putting on of Christ, as a sort of conclusion to everything He's already taught us in this letter. Here's what He says. He says, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now look at verse 14. For He Himself is our peace. Jesus doesn't just bring you the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He is your peace. So once again, putting on gospel shoes is putting on Christ. You have no shot against the devil and his accusations against you. He's the accuser of the brethren. You have no shot to stand if you put any hope in and of your own righteousness. But when you see that Jesus Himself is your peace, what can the devil do to you? when you're believing that by faith. He says, For He Himself is our peace, who's made us both one and broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. He says, By abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And so verse 17, He came and preached what? Peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. The message of the Gospel is preaching peace that sinners who have the scariest enemy you can ever imagine. And that's God Himself. God's perfect righteousness, God's perfect judgment stands against every unbeliever. But Jesus is your peace. And if you're reconciled to the eternal God, then you can have an eternal peace so that when you have earthly war, you can have a sense of readiness because your peace is the ultimate peace. 
Master Ridley wasn't going to burn forever. Though it took minutes, he had a peace that was eternal. Breakfast was much more bitter than I think he could even imagine. But what sort of peace did he have when he saw Christ face to face on that day? And who is this one? Who is our peace? Remember in Ephesians chapter 1? We don't have time to read all this, but in verse 21, it speaks of this, or in verse 19, it, it speaks of this immeasurable greatness of His power that to, that's towards us who believe. <laughs> we have this power from God towards us who believe, and then it describes Christ as far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. He put all things under His feet. So if you're battling against principalities and powers and devils and demons, the one who is your peace is the one who is above every rule and authority. So, that we can stand, to be able to say, I can stand is not arrogant, if in saying that, I'm saying, I can stand in Christ. I can stand in the power that He provides. I can stand in the armor of God. Alright? So being ready with your shoes on means being ready to stand, but it also means being ready to go, being ready to advance, being ready to plunder the kingdom of Satan by the good news of the kingdom of Christ. So good shoes a soldier has doesn't just give him footing to hold toe, but it also gives him endurance helps him move forward and press forward. Let me show you how Christ taught this. In Luke 4.42, we read, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and, and, uh, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So it seemed like, uh, in the way I, I heard Alistair Begg say this, from the, from the disciples' perspective, they're hearing about a kingdom, they're realizing Christ is king of this kingdom, and everyone is... Seem, seemingly excited about Christ. Like the kingdom is growing in that place. And they want Him to stay. And He says, no, I need to go. I need to take this message to other towns, to other places. It needs to go. And this is how you describe you want You want to fundamentally call Jesus' ministry a ministry of miracles. 
The miracles authenticated him as from God and being God himself. His ministry was fundamentally characterized by the message preached, a kingdom. And he wanted to go from town to town and spread it. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, when the disciples are trying to figure out what life is going to look like when Christ ascends, uh, and they're wondering what the future of this kingdom is going to be, they have kingdom questions. In verse 6 it says, when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power, that's what they didn't have but need, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Christians who stand in Jesus Christ, they don't give in on, the parts, on, on any part of the gospel, even when it becomes harmful to you to hold toe, Christians stand firm, but they carry this message of peace forward, right? Romans 10.14, how then will they call on Him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And he's quoting Isaiah 52 there. And Isaiah 52 says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Now get this. Who publishes peace. And brings about good news of happiness. I love the providential irony of being in this building. You know, Jackie, uh, I think her cubicle was somewhere right in here. And the Aberdeen American News wasn't known for their proclamation of the message of peace and happiness. But there's feet that bring and publish. I just, I just look. How beautiful among the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness. And the text goes on to say that God's holy arm, His salvation, is revealed in this Christ. Do you realize what a privilege we've been given to go? Your job is to bring good news and publish the reality of peace that people can have that are facing eternal judgment in hell apart from the goodness of God. How many, how many United States soldiers have you seen proudly wear the uniform? Proudly be recognized at Mount Rushmore for their service. Willingness to stand 
and risk their lives for this country. Willing to go. Well, Christian, do you understand the King that has commissioned you into service? Do you realize the privilege to be called a soldier of Jesus Christ? To be able to carry this Gospel forward? Are you ready to publish the good news of peace? Do you have the shoes on? 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says this, but always in your heart honor Christ as holy. And then he says this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter says, always be ready. Have readiness be put on every conversation you have. To have your speech seasoned with salt. To be ready to... Someone says, well, how is it? Where do you get this joy? Where do you get this peace when your life is a mess or when difficulties happening? Do you have gospel shoes on? Are you ready to be a good soldier of Christ? They're ready to go on command. Alright. Thirdly, not only does putting on the gospel of peace, these shoes, make you ready to stand, ready to go. This one might make you uncomfortable. But they make you ready to adapt. Alright? Some of you are thinking, uh-oh, where's this going? The best soldiers are adaptable. And when the soldiers of Christ put on the gospel shoes, they're not only ready to stand and go, they're ready to adapt. The gospel of peace makes us adaptable, makes us pliable, makes us amenable. Now get this, not in our message or our doctrine. We've already talked about standing in that. But in our dying to ourselves and our plans and our ways and our ideas and our traditions and our visions, living for Christ who is Lord... means dying to self. Which means you gladly accept that He is Lord of all the changing circumstances you find yourself in. We trust in His good providence and to trust in His will. The Gospel is not subject to the traditions of the nations. The Gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just work in certain types of cultures or certain types of governments or certain types of nations. Do you know that? While it may be helpful to have a nation that respects religious liberty, the Gospel does just fine 
in nations that are executing the Christians in those very nations. You realize that? Do you know how adaptable the gospel of Christ is? It's not subject to the traditions of nations. It's not subject to the traditions of man. Though often man proves himself unready to pivot or to move for the glory of God and the good of others because of their selfishness or their pride, which often is just a covering of their sinful fear. Why can Christians so often seem to be the most stubborn? They're willing to die on the hill of all these different things, but it's not the gospel. Why is that? It's because of our pride, and it's because we're looking for excuses to not enter the battle, I think. We want to make excuses why we can't progress forward in light of these circumstances because this would be different. Let me give you an example. When the disciples would have been had a different plan than Christ. Mark 6.30 The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Well, that sounds good for them. They're ready to rest. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns to get there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Circumstances changed here. You guys need some rest. But then, as the crowds come, Jesus sees sheep without a shepherd. More teaching. Right? And when it grew late, the disciples came and said to him, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go out into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them to eat? Give it to them to eat? See, they have in their mind the only way it can work. And then Jesus has them feed 5,000. Often, I think, we can't get over ourselves, our own ideas, our own ways. And it hinders our adaptability in order to bring gospel peace to uh, opportunities in front of us. Here, here's how Paul says it. 1 Corinthians 9.19 For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I want my win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself not being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as an outside, 
as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law to the weak. I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And then what does he say? He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. See, these shoes, shoes that help you stand ground, those would be good. Shoes that help you move forward, those would be good. But shoes that help you juke and move and be pliable so that sinners can come in contact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you ask me, I'm going to talk about this some next week at our, at our annual meeting. If I was going to rate us as a church in these three areas, what am, what am I going to say? We're getting our highest grade. I think we're ready to stand our ground on doctrine, biblical doctrine, and truth. And that is good. And then as we think about going, if I'm honest, I think it's easy to become comfortable just kumbaya with each other, seeing lives that look just like our lives, and having friends that seem just like us and kind of being satisfied because we're holding toe. So sinners who've been saved by grace and have been commissioned to take that into a dark world, proclaim peace. Now if I'm honest, I give us a lower grade probably as a body. And then in regards of adaptability. I don't know. I guess I haven't thought about grading us there. But I think it gets harder. But a soldier is looking at their master and wants to please him. Looking at the mission that's been given. And I think is ready in those three areas. Someone who has peace with God because they put on Christ is especially equipped in those ways to die to yourself. You don't have to get your way. You can be adaptable if that's better for those around. You're willing to go. That might not be convenient. That might not be all about us. But even what Paul says in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 9, he says this, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and its blessings. So if we become a stubborn, selfish body that just stands with good, you know, we're not going to move on the tenets of the gospel. Paul would say, he does it all for the sake of the gospel. That's one reason why he does it. And he does it to share in the blessings with them. How often do we cut ourselves off from the blessing if we would be make ourselves more willing to bring the gospel of Christ, unite it practically in the lives 
of those in Aberdeen, those in your workplace, those in the world. So how does the gospel of peace make us for to be ready against the battle against the devil and his demons? Well, it's simple, right? He comes with accusation. And Christ is your peace. Look at that sin. Look at how you messed up. Look at this. You should be afraid. Fear should fill your mind. What do you say? You got gospel shoes on. You have Jesus Christ on. You say, He is my peace. And He's above your rule and authority. What does gospel readiness look like? I think it looks like standing, going, and adapting.